Hey everybody and welcome to a Red Rockin' Wild Ride with Steve-O. This is the last thing we did before coming out to Australia where I am now with a bus that is actually working. This is just so exciting and this Australia tour is off the charts. And this week's episode is Sammy Hagar. It is unbelievable how rich and frankly scandalous this guy's history is with Van Halen, with uh, what he say he got kicked out of every band he was ever in. And man, the amount of money this guy has made is shocking. Like literally unbelievable. Plus he couldn't be nicer. We had such a good time with Sammy Hagar and so will you right now. So let's get into it. We got this great liquid death. Oh yeah. I know this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, fuck, man. And then we became friends. It's like he's one of my, my dear friends. I, yeah, I love, love the guy. But when I did the show, I, I didn't know him that well yet. And, and we, and he, 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 I was intimidated by him. He was, Me too, man. Yeah, he's like thick. I, I was, I was. He's thick, man. He's like, I he's was tight. His shit is tight. <laughs> That's what we're just talking about. I was kind of. Uh, stumbling over myself because between being such a huge fan and like him being so mysterious yeah he's got like, mystique uh, brother man he's super. more than any guy in the business when he uh, agreed to do my show i was tripping i'm going wow i got fucking maynard doing my show <laughs> and i got the weirdest love from that it was from weird yeah, people that you're saying sure. wow you know but, okay, what, what what color are we going with for you? We can make this... Oh, you got to go with the red rocker. The red... I'm so dumb. Fuck. I'm so dumb. I thought the guy did to a great start. What kind of show? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, first of all. Yeah, for sure, man. Cheers to you. And, um... Okay, so here we go. We're going we're gonna to just start it like this. Ladies and gentlemen... Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was dude. profound. It, yeah. it really, really. I hope I live up to that prof that profanity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is my co-host Scott Randolph. How you doing, Scott? Good. How you doing? And Good. now, for the first time ever, we have both. Vinny and Paul. This is crazy. Oh, Vinny and Paul. I like they, that. They, they, there's, yeah. there's so far been two eras of the Wild Ride podcast. There was the Paul Brisky era, and then we Paul left and was replaced by Vinny. Vinny Paul. Like, I like that. Vinny Paul is a dear friend. Vinny Paul mm. is. It was. He, he was the coolest guy. Who is he? The drummer in, in uh, 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 Pantera. Pantera. Oh. Yeah. We got a little bit of a Van Halen effect over here. Wow. <laughs> and it's the triumphant return of Paul Brisky. Yeah, it's a well, pleasure to be back. Oh, right you. On. Yeah, the gorgeous Paul Brisky. So I'm David Lee Roth in this situation. Easy now. Easy now. I knew it, first of all. I'm going there. Let's see. Okay, what's going to be the Roth connection here? I'll try to skip uh, around any of that. Hey, hey, man, we're not out to get you, Sam. No. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if I thought you were. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so now, now, where do we begin, man? What, what a fascinating... I mean, I knew you were fascinating, but I, as I did some research preparing for this, I just blown away by how rich 
and and how uh, <laughs> juicy the history is, you know. Oh, um, that's what I thought you were saying. How rich? Hold on, I'm not denying it. But what the fuck? <laughs> the last thing people want to hear about is how rich you are. But it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, the you know, I I really at my age, I'm. I've done so much stuff because I'm old and it's like, and I've become, I've stayed healthy and I've been able to sing. I can still sing as good as I ever sang. And I can still sing the same songs. I tune down a little bit. No problem. I can sing this, you know, I don't have to cheat, but long story short, when you've been around a long time, if you really care and like to do shit, then you will have done a lot of shit. And yeah. longevity is where it's at, man. You know, without sure. longevity, you know, these guys that died young, man, they made, you know, one album, two albums. I just feel terrible about that. Right. Know? How old are you? 75. Unbelievable. I know. My dad just, <laughs> is my, my dad just turned 80, and, and I really think that he has uh, just dealt father time a bitch slap to the face. I mean, like he's, he's so healthy. But, but I think that, that my dad doesn't have anything on you. I well, think, uh, you're, I'm not 80 yet, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> Everybody says, well, when you turn 70, I talk to Willie Nelson. These guys are very few guys older than me and they're still in the business. And I would ask them, you know, you know, I'd say, fuck, man, you know, how are you doing? Willie, you're 70. You're fucking out there doing it. He's going, yeah, you know, when you turn 70, is a little tougher, you know, and all this shit. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I turned 70. It didn't make any difference to me. <laughs> so I'm looking at 80 now thinking, well, maybe that's the one where I'm going to go down, you know. Right. So, so what do you do to stay so healthy? Cabo Wabo. No, yeah, I drink. I do every fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I've never had to. Whoa! Huh. What there happened there? Wow, that's a first. Yeah, well, that, there you go. We're still recording, recording, recording. Yeah, everything's still going. All right. I'm pushing on. For the people just listening, our lights went out. And oh, now so this is live? We're uh, no, no, no. no, no. But, oh, you scared me there. It's not. It's not live. But uh, there are people who have just the audio, and then some people have both the video and the okay. audio. Do we need to turn? Oh, there we go. go. We're, We're back good. on. Nothing shut off, right? No. No, everything's still recording, but they're like master. On wasn't working, but I just did individually all there the lights on. I don't know. So More information. So than we basically, it was what, what I was about to say is that you know I've never I don't know why I'd, I'm not an addiction kind of guy. I don't get addicted right. to shit. I don't. I'm not addicted to fucking golf. I'm addicted to sex and food, and and a good time and the beach, you know. And, and right. But not not drugs and stuff, you know. It's like I I take every. I mean, I've taken I've taken anything and everything. I fucking you know I drink. Every night, you know, I don't drink in the daytime. I don't wake up with the shakes and shit. You know, I don't know. Well, my, some of my friends can't do that. So, right. so I don't know. I don't know if that's what's keeping me young. But I mean, I at least never had to go get fixed. <laughs> right, so, right, right. You know, and I, you know, walk on the beach every day. I used to be a running fanatic, a bicycling fanatic. Uh, that was a little fanatical. You ever surf? No. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm a ho dad. <laughs> I love the beach. I'm a complete beach nut, but I, I don't get up on that board i get to, at my age now if i got yeah. sitting on you know the wave would be gone by the time i got up on that fucking board right <laughs> my knees are kind of shut that's the only thing i fucked up jumping around on stage you know okay do you uh did, did you ever were you friends with val kilmer no because because like i you know i watch footage of you look at you and there's just this little resemblance really yeah i was oh, out, i've out, never out. met val no i was watching uh uh the, the i can't drive 55 music video and when you grab the cop and, and you get in his face i was like who's he remind me of there and it was val Kilmer. oh what a chill that's in 1984 that was before val was right was rocking the uh the, the video stuff 
Right. I mean, the movie stuff, right? I mean, right. Um, that I mean, it's about when uh, when Val came on oh. the scene. I think. Well, maybe he was copying me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, Val. Right. <laughs> uh, now going going back to you know that that early your first band that wasn't a cover band was Montrose. Yeah. That's right. Seventy two, seventy three. And you got kicked out of Montrose. I get kicked out of every fucking band I'm in. That's, that's why I'm, I am become a solo artist. It's so funny. Um, I, I, you know, I guess my free spirit type attitude, you know, and, and um, taking things seriously, but not, you know, to a to degree of, uh, of some other people that these band leader guys, you know, that they just want to control you, but they don't really... It's like an ego trip. It's not real. Like when I want to control somebody, like, okay, I don't want you getting all fucked up before the show. We got work to do. You know what I mean? That's the kind of control right. I use. Other than that, do whatever fuck you want, you know? But, uh, yeah, Ronnie, he had a, I just rubbed him wrong, I guess, and he fired me. Yeah, it's really weird. And um, <laughs> so, so, so you... He fired himself eventually, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you get kicked out of Montrose, and that's when you first become a solo artist. Yeah. Even though it was never your intention to be a solo artist. No, not at that time. I, I was trying to put a band together, you know, that was like... And as a solo artist, you just blew away Montrose. What, what did the guys from Montrose go on to do after you left? Well, the drummer, Denny Carmasa, he went on to play in, on all the White Snake big records. He, okay. he became like a studio guy, and then, and then he joined Heart, the second generation okay. of Heart, with all those top 40 hits when the girls were all glamorous and shit. Uh, the video hits. So he was in that band for a long time. So he did good. Bill Church, the bass player, didn't do much. He came with me. Um, and uh, Ronnie, he just kept firing people, kept changing, becoming an instrumental artist, get a new singer, this or that. He was a, he was a hard guy to get get along with. I, I mean, he shot himself in the head. God bless him. Oof. You know what I'm saying? That's all <clears throat> you got to say about a guy eventually that does that. So he was miserable. And we, but he'd never let you get close to him. He was, he was one of them guys... Uh, as soon as you got close to him, he'd get all fucking weird. You know, if you, if you had a conversation, you know. What, talk to, about anything deep? Yeah. when you we, we, In those days, we had a room together, you know. So Ronnie and I would room in a bass player and a drummer. And, and Ronnie, you know, we'd sit up late at night, you know, maybe have a couple of drinks and start talking soulful shit. And man, he, then all of a sudden, the next day, he'd be like all fucking weird and shit. It's like, whoa, man, I just, you know, I didn't tell you shit, man. You know, whatever, you know I mean, he was like really weird. Like, wow. what the right. fuck? You didn't tell me nothing, you know. Didn't, Did your dad beat you or something? You know what I mean? Wouldn't you... uh so you'd room with Ronnie, but then you'd switch. Yeah, we'd, like you we'd guys would get kind of tired of each but other. But we always ended up. <laughs> Ronnie and I always ended up because nobody wanted his room at the bass player Bill Church. He was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like musical chairs to avoid the bass player. Yeah, he he was bitter. He was always complaining. Everything was oh fuck this, fuck that. You know, and I was the happiest guy in the world. Broke on my ass, you know. But man, you know, I was getting laid every night, and I was jumping on stage every night, and. You know, my phone was shut off at home, but it's all right. You know, I didn't, didn't I'd rather be on the road. I was loving it. Yeah, that's great. So, so you you're, you're just start killing it with your with your solo band. No, no, I'm I was a I'm a journeyman, man. I I never had that overnight success thing and and my work ethic I think is what broke me cuz um you know, I wanted it bad, so I was I was in shape. I was running every day. I said, I get on stage, I can sing louder, run faster, and jump higher, and fucking play faster than all you motherfuckers. That was my M.O., you know. I wanted to be, you know, the baddest fucking guy in rock, you know. So so I, I worked. I went out and I played seven nights a week. I'd open for anybody, anytime, any place. I'd get thrown off tours, just like getting kicked out of bands all the time. 
I, you know, right. open them for people and then say, let's get this guy out of here, man. I'm not going to have him going out there doing all that before we go on. You can't be too much of a journeyman, though, if you've got platinum selling albums in five consecutive decades, right? Yeah, but it took a while. My first platinum album, first gold album didn't come till about 1982. And I started in 73. So, right, you know, okay. I ran a 10-year run there. You know, I was selling records. I was selling tickets. What I was, what was the doing. first one? The first one that went gold was actually the Red Album, the Sammy Hagar album, but that there was from go. 1977, but it didn't go gold until 1981, gotcha. 82. And then 82, Standing Hampton, was with uh, my first hit, I'll Fall in Love Again stuff. It, that that I got signed to Gafford Records, and that sold, uh, it went gold quick, and I had a hit record, and they pushed me. You know, they were into it. The other record company I was on, <sighs> Capital, they just said, ah, he's going to go out and work and sell records. We don't have to put any money in behind him. You know what I mean? So they never put money behind the records. So my first gold album was Standing Hampton, and then... It went platinum, three lock box, platinum gold, you know, BOA, 50, I can't drive 55. Then I, you know, I broke as a, as a, uh, an artist and started selling shitload of records and getting uh, my dream come true, you know? Right. How many is gold? 500,000. 500,000? Yeah. You can't sell 500,000 records today, man. <laughs> yeah. And then they you just have a number one streams. album with 30,000 records because they, people don't buy the records anymore. Right. Yeah. And then what's a million? It's platinum. Platinum. Double platinum is 10 million? Two. Yeah, <laughs> ten, ten is a diamond. Diamond. Yeah, I don't have a diamond record. I've got plenty of seven and eight millions with Van Halen and yeah, yeah. But no, we uh, no tens. Those tens are, those are for the pop guys that have that big number one single and have three number one single. Like yeah, I think Journey's got a, a, a diamond record for sure. Their greatest hits records probably. Okay. Bands like that. Wow. So yeah, so so you break and you know you're selling a ton of records and and then. All of a sudden, you find out David Lee Roth left Van Halen, and you said to your wife, you were married at that time? Yeah, my, this is my okay. first wife. This is my second wife. You said to your, you said to your wife, they're going to call me. Well, it was weird, because I was sitting at dinner, and I was working with Ted Templeman. Uh, I had done the VOA I Can't Drive 55 record. Ted had produced all the Van Halen records and the Roth solo stuff, so... Ted and I were friends. He produced Montrose, Ted Templeman. So we wow. had this long relationship. So he'd call me up. So I was saying, hey, I just came home from a tour and stuff. And I was going, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, you know, make a record right away. And Ted's going, no, we should get back in the studio. I want to see what you get start writing. You know, he was pushing me. So he'd call me. And, and uh, so I'm at dinner and he calls him. And I, I say, he's saying, uh, wow, you ain't going to believe this. You know, Roth quit Van Halen. I said, what? Really? Wow. Did, what did a trip, he quit? You know? Yeah, well, we don't know. We don't know. Look, they said that I quit too. But I don't, right. right. <laughs> I got fired. But, okay. So, um, so, so did him. No, so I turned to my wife, and as soon as I heard him, I said, wow, Dave, you know, go back to eating. Huh? Dave, you know, quit the band. I said, wow. Then I just went, fuck, they're going to call me. It, my, my brain, I'm, I'm a real good calculator. You know, I, I, I calculate things really fast, put things together. It just, it's a gift. And, uh, and I just went, John, Ronnie James Deal. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Sammy Hagar, they're gonna call me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it was kind of pretty obvious that, that you know, it's like I don't know. I, I I was already the thought of somebody replacing Dave was gonna be very strange, but I knew musically in my head. Ted Templeman knew too. You know that that was like no, you you and Eddie get together, it's gonna be fucking the shit, man. Man, and that, it was. And and um, it. In the final analysis, did it turn out that they had considered other people? 
Yeah, later on, when after I got thrown out of the band, then I started hearing all these fucking rumors that they were going to be Patty Smythe, and that's because Eddie was fucking <laughs> out of relationship with him. It's like, hey, we joined my band. <laughs> uh, uh, and there, I don't know, I guess a couple other people <laughs> stood up and said, oh, Daryl Hall said, wow. you know, Eddie was really, you know, at that time, he, he was pretty wasted a lot of times and we all were you know but but you know he eddie we know now that you know eddie did had a lot of drugs and drinking problems so he would get fucked up and tell people hey man join my band you know? <laughs> tell a bartender you know so yeah people came out of the woodwork but the truth of the matter is is that originally they ted templeman when they started when he signed him he said you should get sammy hagar because i got thrown out of montrose you know he said, i was solo wasn't doing very good and he said you should get sammy hagar in his fucking van and, right and eddie was saying yeah you think you'd do it and they were all thinking about it and um you know then they made a record and exploded so they never thought about it again i guess but i i heard that from the horse's mouth from all of them like yeah. I said, yeah man they were templeman was pushing for you to be in the band but that would that would have been fucked up it was much better the way i came in we were all grown up they, I was already selling millions. They were selling me. We're selling out arenas. They were selling out arenas. Get together, bam! It, you know, yeah. It became, you know, one of the biggest bands in the world. No, all number one albums we had. I mean, that was that's a run, brother. Let me tell you something. I, that's a fucking run we had. For sure. Ten years, you know. And is it true that uh, in the David Lee Roth era? From the David Lee Roth era, Van Halen sold 46 million hour, er, albums. And in the Sammy Hagar era, they sold 46 million. Is it yeah, really? you know, it's about it's about equal now. That's funny that you said, because when you said 46, I said, no, that's what we sold. You know? <laughs> but it's like the thing we had was these number one albums. We came uh, in a, at a point where we got so much more attention. The music was... Um, you know more commercial not not intentionally i mean it's somebody music eddie was fucking writing on keyboards you know he loved to play keyboards and i'd hear this shit and i go fuck you know that's awesome you know when it's love and and uh love walks in and and, and stuff like that and so eddie go you like that i'm going yeah because i guess roth didn't like keyboards so uh so we you know really kind of spread out and started selling more records instantly the reason the, their old catalog though they had that fucking jump that was the yeah. biggest song Van Halen ever had, you know. And yeah, like, David Lee Roth didn't like keyboards, huh? <laughs> exactly. There you go. But when 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 people you know meet me, say, "Oh, you're you know the singer in Van Halen." Oh, you know somebody don't know shit. You know this is the first thing they think I sing fucking jump. I'm going, damn, that thing haunts me. You know what I mean? Because right. that was a big big record. So that really allowed them. That song gets airplay still today, and still allows their old catalog to sell to to a younger generation, to where right. mine is still selling too. But a younger generation will come along next on, on mine because it was two different decades, you know? Right. And, and that's the way the music business is. It comes back around. You could talk to Tom. Tom and I were talking about that last night. Tommy Lee. How the crew went down into the toilet. They, a generation, when the grunge came out, you know, the crew mm -hmm. kind of went to pieces. And Van Halen took a little dip, but, you know. And then all of a sudden, now the crew's bigger than they ever been because it's the it's second crazy. time around. You know, they have those gir those girls, 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 those hits, you know, yeah. and uh, and then a younger generation picks up on them. So that's what's happening right now with the Van Hagar catalog. We're having this big resurgence, and uh, they remastered all the whole catalog, and they're doing all these things. I don't care about all that because to me, I'm not even in the music business. I've it's my been my hobby from day one, and yeah. I, but now it's like. I don't even worry about it. I love it. I just go play when I want to play. You know, it's it's not like a business to me. Right, right. But Warner's is all behind the, the Van Hagar account. They see the trend. You know, they're going, uh-oh, people are younger generation, streaming, and all these things. So. 
It's like Matthew McConaughey in that movie. We get older, they just stay the same age because new people are discovering things all the time. And one thing people are discovering these days is liquid death. It is a canned water and iced tea company that's saving the world because they're infinitely recyclable. Aluminum cans are so much better for the environment than plastic. Plus, their new liquid death iced tea is so much healthier than those other iced teas out there. And if you order liquid death iced tea on Amazon, you get free shipping, plus from the local retailers, some of them around you. Now, if you're a listener of the Wild Ride podcast, you get an extra special deal because you get 20% off your first apparel purchase if you go to liquiddeath.com slash stevo. That's liquiddeath.com slash stevo, and hurry up and jump on that deal. Now let's get back to it. You think about it, he's been in Eddie's shadow his whole life. and uh, But he had to be the boss because he's his older brother, so he was always the boss. So they had a, they had a trippy relationship. You know, They'd get into it. They'd be throwing blows. I wrote about all this stuff in my book, and Mike and I would go, hey, you guys breaking up. Next day, we're fucking, I'm rolling around with Alex on the ground, and Mike's yeah. like, hey, don't come between us, man. We're fucking brothers. Whoa, well, go ahead. And we'd leave, and they'd fucking, the next day, we'd come back to the studio, trash cans turned upside down, <laughs> windows knocked out of shit. They'd go, man, you know, but they didn't want you to come between them. <laughs> yeah, that, that is crazy, man. <clears throat> that blood is thicker than mud. It's some true shit, man. <laughs> Um, when when you were on tour in the heyday of Van Hagar, were you singing David Lee Roth catalog on stage? Not in the first tour. First tour we did um, You Really Got Me, and we did I Can't Drive 55, and uh, no, we did You Really Got Me and One Way to Rock. We didn't even do I, I Can't Drive 55, and we just played the whole new out, the first 5150 record, and then for an encore... We would play Jump, but I would pull somebody out of the audience to sing it. Mm. Wow. I was an asshole. I mean, honestly, <laughs> complete. You know, guilty as charged, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't want to sing the songs because I thought Jump was a silly song. I, I didn't like the lyric, and I had a hard time standing up there going, can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I had a hard time with it. All right, I came from Montrose. All right, I'm talking about rock candy, baby. Hard, yeah. sweet, and sticky. You know? So I just didn't like <clears throat> Ross lyrics on that song. But some of the stuff was really good. I mean, you know, Unchained sure. and, and fucking ain't talking about love and, you know, even running with the devils. Running with the devils. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's good shit, man. I'm not down on that stuff at all. And later on, I started getting a little more user-friendly, but then we had more albums, so we didn't need it. So, right, okay. You know, I mean, Eddie was the one that didn't want to play the catalog. Eddie was the one that wanted to keep the name Van Halen because Warner Brothers said, why don't you call it Van Hagar? And I'm going, well, eh, it's kind of an ego trip for me. I wasn't, I felt a little embarrassed. <clears throat> but um, Eddie was, no, man, fucking same as you in the band's Van Halen now. You know, we're, this is Van Halen, this is Van you know. So, and, right. and he wasn't a real assertive guy, but when he did, you know, you'd say, amen. You know, the man knows, mm -hmm. the man's a, a genius. Right. Yeah, I let think, him do his thing. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Eddie was right on that one. Keep it Van Halen. Fuck yeah. What, what kind of stuff was on a Van Halen writer for your shows? Well, that brown M&M thing went out the window because I dig brown M&M. <laughs> 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 so let's start right there. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, we had a bottle of tequila always. You know, I was I'm always been a tequila guy, and um, but I never just, drank that much. I still just drink that much. Oh well, I, we all had separate dressing rooms to start with. So I'm just thinking about my dressing room. Eddie's room was probably it changed every year. Uh, honestly, I fucking don't remember. We you know we carried a chef, so they cooked for us, and a lot of times we weren't hungry after a show. You know. <laughs> 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 help us understand <laughs> well you know a lot of things going on uh, <laughs> we barely make it through the shower before the action happened man but no we partied hard man we fucking All right. we really did we partied hard ain't no question about it I don't know if you read my book I'm not trying to push my book right, but, but I mean let's be clear the, the book read number one New York Times yeah. bestseller man that's, that's a big deal that's a really big deal I'm a New York Times bestseller but not number one you know, when it went number one, I cried my fucking eyes out. I, for some reason, the timing of that book was really right. And Howard Stern read because he's a big Van Halen guy, yeah, read it on, on the air, and it just went pow. Wow. It sold wow. the first week like 37,000 copies. They were wow. so backlogged. They printed 7,500 books, and they had orders for 37,000. And um, and when my publishers called call me, I just went, Wow, I fucking cried. It was it's such a so, now. That's I've had so many dreams that I didn't dream come true. You know what I mean? Like, well, I didn't dream that. You know, <laughs> right. I, I dreamt to be a rock star. Okay, but but you know, the number one book and having a tequila company that becomes the number two premium tequila in the world. Wonderful people. You know, <laughs> crazy enough to buy it for the kind of money it was, and right. they weren't crazy. I mean, I, now I know the business. They were smart. They were saying, "This mm -hmm. guy doesn't know what he's doing. Man, right. we'll take this fucker. You know, double his sales in five minutes." Genius of you to. Only sell eighty percent of it, though. Well, that was not genius. See, everyone thinks I'm so smart. I am not so smart, Steve-O. I was thinking, oh yeah, they'll make it worldwide. They'll double the they'll thing, bump and then it I'll sell the twenty percent for what I got for the eighty percent. And it didn't work that way. It it was. Um, what if you hung on to it though? What if you still had that twenty percent today? Oh. Yeah, that'd be a whole different story. <laughs> See, that would have been genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I had to sell it within seven years. Oh, they had a deal damn with it. Wow. See, they're a public traded company, and you can't have partners like that. you got to have, uh, you know, so they made a special deal with me. <clears throat> but it's not like they fucked me, just that I wasn't smart enough to know that when they took it over, they dumped a bunch of money into it. So the profit margin, when I owned it, I had oh, and put no money in. I had four sales guys. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It was just selling like crazy, you know? Couldn't keep it on the shelf. So I was making all this money every year. I was making like seven, eight million dollars profit in my <laughs> pocket a year for the last those last three years. It, it averaged out to six point seven million per year. So that's what they went for three years. What was my average net? And I went, fuck. So they offered me ten times net, which was sixty-seven million dollars. And I'm going, fuck, man, that's, you know, I was flipping out. And then I thought, fuck, I love this brand. I'm having a blast. I'm making all this money. It's growing, man. Well, fuck you. I don't want to sell it. You know, man, what would it take? Blah, blah, blah. That's how it got jacked way up. But the point is, the 20%, then all of a sudden, they start dumping money into it. They charge 13% management fee. They had all these things. Yeah. And so the profit margin went down. So my 10 times, well, they offered me, I ended up paying 15, time, 15 times earnings on the years after I sold it, it wasn't earning nearly as much money. Oh, mm. so you they weren't talking about 10 times what you had made off of That's it. That's right. They were talking about what they were making because they had 37 sales guys and, right. and trucks and fucking, you sure. know. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it takes money to make money. Yeah. 
but they, you know, they, they came out good in the end. After they got rid of me, they, <laughs> no, they, trust me, I did not get fucked. But I fucked right. myself because I, I actually got 97 million instead of 100. Ah. Uh. Darn it. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. That three million I could have given to you, Steve-O. Speaking of You would have killed money. yourself with that money, though. You wouldn't uh, be here today. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the year. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you do give away a lot of money. I do. That, that, that's, uh, it's incredible. You got, you got a whole, I mean, can we call it a restaurant chain? That it's like Paul Newman. All of the money goes to charity? Yeah. Uh, my, my restaurant's in the, in the, called the Sammy's Beach Bar and Grills that are built around my Beach Bar Rum brand uh, are in airports. There's one in Honolulu, uh, Maui, Cleveland, and uh, Las Vegas. And uh, there's a couple more <laughs> going to be opened up pretty soon. And I give all that money that I make on those restaurants to that community. That local. And, yeah, because I'm a, I'm a big, I'm big on philanthropy, but not giving money some fucking way off place to some big corporation that just sticks right. it in a bank account. I'm grassroots, man. I go through the hospital in Maui, and we find this, the children are in a serious, most serious condition that their parents have run out of um, insurance or never had insurance. And I pay for the transportation to get them back and forth to the hospital. We pay for their medicine, things like right straight to one family. And I have to do it at the hospital because most of these people are on assistance from government assistance. And if you give them money, they'll take you off. And if they buy them a car, well, they can't have a car. They're on, you know, we're not going to, you know, it's really tricky. So you go through the hospital with a you know, um, 501c thing and uh, it, it's complicated what I do, but I think it's the way to do it. You just do it in your fucking backyard. You need your fence painted. Find a guy in your neighborhood that paints fences mm -hmm. and get him to do it. You know, don't hire some company from out of town. You know what I mean? It's right. like, I think that's where, you know, uh, giving starts is in your backyard and in your family. Helping others is close around you. It doesn't get weeded out there. It doesn't get filtered down. It doesn't get diluted. You know, by the time it gets to Africa, some kid, you know, you give $100,000 and some kid gets to a little a sandwich. Brown, a brown, brown M&M. Yeah, he gets a brown M&M to do it. It's, it's, it's a tough. I've, I've always said it's harder to give away money yeah. and feel good about it than it is. To, I can make money a lot easier than I can give it away. It's it's like, you know, you can give it away if you want, but I mean, to have it do some good. So right. yeah, I, I give my restaurant money. Not all with Cobble Wobble, I don't give that money away, but I still do a lot of uh, charity stuff. Right. Are you in food banks and stuff is yeah. big. When big I tour every, for 13 years and I've given a $2,500 minimum to every city I've played for the last 13 years. Wow. Man, I love that. Some uh, sometimes I give 10. If I make a whole bunch, you know, if it's a big city like St. Louis where I sell 20,000 tickets, so I make a shitload, I give 10. It re it really it's so easy. You go down to a food bank sometime and see how they work and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Most volunteer, they get the food almost for free. A dollar will make three meals. <clears throat> For, you know, yeah. so families. You see these families. I, I, this, I'm, I'll, I'll stop going off on it, but you get no, me all wired it. up, man. See, I start getting I, goosebumps I and it. shit. Uh, it, it, my heart is there. It's, it's just I was poor. <laughs> I mean, when yeah. you've been poor, you understand what poor people have to deal with and what you have to go through, and uh, to to just put food on the table. So food banks. The the brilliance of that is that when I went about ten years ago, and there was a a family in line, I was handing out food. You know, helping them uh, with my kids. I make them do it, too. I make them do it, yes. <laughs> yes, you heard that. Anyway, I so I was giving, handing out food, and I see these 
families, you know, like dressed nice, you know, not dressed up, not, but I mean, you know, they're clean. They weren't homeless people. They weren't, uh, and and they, a wife and a, maybe a couple kids, and they're in line. And I started talking to this, you know, guy says, hey, I'm a, I'm a gardener. My wife cleans houses and, you know, my truck needs tires or something. We come to the food bank uh, probably a couple times a month and it helps us be able to make ends meet. And I thought, now, fuck yeah. This is not just, you know, taking people that, you know, saying, get a job, motherfucker. <laughs> no, right. These people have jobs and they're still in food banks. So that's what really put the hook in me. I thought, now that's, that's easy peasy stuff, man. You give them a hundred bucks and, you know, it's all good. So okay. I, I, I love it. Um, and, and uh, apologies, but I'm so fascinated with the Van Halen stuff. Oh, no, go that, ahead. No, no okay. apologies. That was a peak of my fucking life. <laughs> Van Halen was one of the biggest <clears throat> bands in the world. I had more fun in that band. I made more money from music in that band than anything I'd ever done in my life. And and it's it, it ain't the same without Eddie, and, and it ain't the same right. without Van Halen. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in Van Halen right now. I wish we were still together, and it'd make me want to go out and do it, but, you know. Um, when... You and David Lee Roth toured together, and as I understood, <laughs> yeah. as I understood, Sam Dave tour, the Sam Dave tour, and as I understood it, every night you would flip a coin to see who was going to open and who was going to close. No, we just did that the first night to see who opened the first show. Then after that, we flip flopped. Flip flopped. Ah. Got yeah. it. Okay. So and and it was the the first show was the one in in Los Angeles. No, the first show was in Cleveland, Ohio, and and Dave won. He got to close. Okay, but then in L.A., was that on a flip? Yeah, and see, in L.A., it was I my turn, so Dave insisted that we do two nights in L.A., so we did. We could sell out anywhere. It was fine, you know. Right. But, you know, because he had to have, well, he was trying to fight for, well, why I need that town, and I'm going, this ain't a negotiation, motherfucker. You shouldn't be opening any, I mean, you shouldn't be closing the show anyway, to be honest with you. At that time, he didn't have a solo career, really. Right. I mean, he did, but he wasn't like selling. I was selling out arenas. I was selling out amphitheaters at Sammy Hagar, you know, with the Wabos. Uh, and he, you know, I had a solo career. So let, let me just say this. Ask Mick Jagger. Ask Robert Plant. You can be the biggest band in the world, and you can't necessarily have a solo career. Right. But I had a solo career. So when I joined the big band, I went back to my solo career. I'm good. I still sell a lot of tickets, you know. Right. Dave, yeah, he had that little, you know, sort of a big album, one kind of a big album, but... He didn't have a solo career, you know. He was playing small places, and you know he. And so when he came in with me, he was making like twenty-five grand a night. I was making one hundred and fifty a night, and they said, "Oh, you guys going to make the same money?" Dave gets to make one hundred and fifty. I said, "He ain't fucking made one hundred and fifty in his life except the Van Halen." So, but then I, but I said, "I got to do this." There's some things you just gotta do. Like for me, it's take care of my health. And that's why I wear a Whoop band, which is the most sophisticated fitness tracking device known to man. It now checks your oxygen levels in your blood, your stress levels. I mean, it always gives you the most insight into your sleep, your recovery, how many calories you're burning, what activities you're doing. I'm telling you, it really helps keeping track of your fitness more than I can even say. And all the coolest people are using it. Man, how many people have we talked to on this podcast about it? And if you want to try it, then you go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. And use the promo code Stevo, and you're going to get 10% off your order. And that's getting the new Whoop 4.0 band with the waterproof charger and you get 10% off your membership. So one more time, go to whoop.com, 
Use the promo code Stevo. 10% off your order. Now let's get back to it. I got to do this. So I did, I bent over backwards and everything, and he still always tried to fuck with the with the rules. Did you He's do not a fun guy. He's not, not He's he doesn't <laughs> play well with others. <laughs> I'm not sure what his problem is, but Did did you do the two nights in LA? Yeah. And and did you so you each yeah, got we, to close one night? Exactly. Okay. And That's then good. you know he he just always is about how can I, you know, make this guy look bad or, or not just me in, in life. I mean, you know, how can I make myself, he's a chest beating motherfucker, man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, God bless him. Cause like I said, that early stuff was freaking great. I, you sure. know, I, but I, I personally, I've tried to say, you know, he'd be a fun guy to know, but he ain't like that. He ain't like his persona. Right. When you get around him, he ain't that guy, man. He's some other cat. <laughs> when, when you describe what he does on stage as vaudeville, do you, like, uh, like with the, the acrobatics and the jumping and the dancing, like... I, I, well, he's a showman. Hey, listen, I, I'm a showman too, but he's, that's his gig. He doesn't care about singing. If he did, he'd take care of his voice, or he'd take voice <laughs> lessons, he'd warm up, he'd do something, because the guy sings so bad last time he was doing shows, it was embarrassing to me when people say, oh, you were in Van Halen. I'm going, no, no, no. You know, I, would start, <laughs> I would start to deny it, <laughs> just in case they thought I was him. Uh, so Now I see what you mean. Yeah, but he, he's a showman. He just, everything, show, 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 show. And he doesn't care about his voice, which drives me nuts, man. I care more about my voice than I do my dick. Wow. If my dick didn't work a couple of times, I'd be okay with it, but you know, I'd be bummed out. But if my voice fucks up on stage, I'm fucking bummed, man. Yeah. You know? yeah. Wow. Um, no, no, we, <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure if that's a fact, but, you know, <laughs> as a metaphor, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. When you're on the Sam and Dave tour, yeah. you each have your own bands? Yeah. Is that how it worked? Yeah. He had a Van Halen tribute band. He just said, this is Van Halen. The guitar player did Eddie's solo, the drummer did, as, and the bass player even played Mikey's bass solo. And he acted like it was a Van Halen show, and it was really the wrong thing. He got ripped apart by the press for it, because... You know, he didn't, should have went out and presented himself as David Lee Roth with, you know, his Van Halen stuff and his solo stuff. He didn't play one fucking solo thing. You know, he had some good solo songs, you know? Yeah. Um, man, you said that if you go to play a Van Halen song on some show, that, that you're getting Alex calling up trying to sue you, saying you can't do that. Well, on TV. He won't on license the, the songs because... We co-wrote everything, and we owned our publishing as a team. The four, right, even okay. though Eddie and I wrote everything, Mike and Alex were one quarter, and you know our publishing company and Yesup Recording was owned by all of us equally. So, Ed and Al, when I left the band, they, I mean, I could sing anything I want in the street and, and in concert, but if a TV show said we're going to film you, oh, you want to be on the on the Grammys this year, we want you to sing right now, or why can't this be love? Right. They'd boohoo it. They'd say, no, we're not going to license. But I said, that's it. Fuck this shit. It's been 100 years, Alex. And I tried to call him, wouldn't pick up the phone. And I'm going to tell this story now. This is the first time this has been heard. Uh, I have a, there's a documentary on um, the origins of rock, and it's done by the MTV people and... Um, uh, anyway, and it's going to be like one of those Netflix deals, right? Uh -huh. And I'm on the first series of it. So they want to, it's about my rock and roll career. You got like your own episode? Is it like, you yeah, it's coming out probably in June or July. Maybe I don't know, the, I don't know when it's done, but I, I, I know my episode's done. <clears throat> and Alex wouldn't okay any of the Van Halen stuff. He said, I don't like the way Sammy's talking about, about us. And, 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 and he wanted it taken out. 
the likeness and, and, and wouldn't let the song right now or Why Can't This Be Love or Two Biggest Hits. Uh, he wouldn't let him license it. This is my biography. It's my life story. And uh, they backed off. But it's just so fucking childish. I mean, get out of here. I wrote the song. It's like, you know, if right. I was just the singer, then that they wrote the song and hired me as a hired gun. I wrote the fucking songs with Eddie. So it, it, it's, it was really chicken shit. But, you know, I wish Alex was user-friendly. Do you realize what a great thing we could do with Michael sure. Anthony? Still sings and plays his ass off. He's in my band, you know, the circle. Yeah. I can still sing and play my ass off. Alex, Alex can still play his ass off, you know? And, and, and we just need a guitar player. And we can go out and play the best, best set list. We play 50-50. I've already said it. I, put, I presented it to him. We'll play 50-50. We'll go to Vegas and do a residency. We'll do one big stadium show and give all the money away. All of it. Yeah. I'll take not one penny on the whole tour. Try, Let's try and do tell this. that to Alex. I did. <laughs> I oh, know, I've... but, but yeah. if, if the hang-up was the giving away the money, you yeah. know, but you're saying No, well, I'll give mine away. Right, okay. That's the, what the, I volunteer yeah. to do. I'll say, I'll just give mine to charity. I'll, every fucking town we go to, I'll give it to the children's hospital. Every fucking town. Let's do this thing. Let's do 20 shows, it. do 10 shows, do 100 shows. Right. I don't care. But we got to do it for the fans. It's like those fans have just been fucking pissed on. <laughs> and he, and he, won't, he won't pick up your phone call? No. Man, I, I, I love that so much that you would want to give away all of your money to do I don't that. want to give it all away, but I would <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I don't need the money, but I would, I would do yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and what the other thing I really love is that when you talk about doing an a Eddie tribute, that you would have Eddie's son, Wolfgang, do that. If it was like a one-time deal, a couple of shows, and that's it. But... There's just this respect that you have for, for Wolf that you wouldn't want uh, to bog him down with an ongoing gig where he mimics his dad. Oh, no. Honest to God, I wouldn't recommend that. If I was his father, I would say, no, you're doing great. He's doing great. I mean, this guy really stuck to his guns. Yeah. And blew, he blows my mind. I had no idea he could sing like that. I've been around a kid for half his life, you know, and, and I never knew he sang. I knew he was always playing guitar and playing bass and playing drums. He's a great little musician. But the truth and matter is he, he really found his niche. He's going for it. He's out working his ass off. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't distract him from that to be his father. It'd be like his his father's right. shadow. That's terrible. So that you, say, be, you say what you're saying. I feel like the devil. <laughs> yeah. Ruin his kid's life here. <laughs> No, so he's doing the right thing, but we could do a couple one-offs, yeah. How do you describe it? Do it big for the big time, one time? One time for the big time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't invent that shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, one time for the big time. Yeah. Um, Two times for the big time, maybe four times for the big time. The problem is, is when we, if we did that one show, no matter how big this place, no matter what the ticket price, it would go Bam, and the business world would come fucking down our throats, and our managers would be going, "Come on, guys! <laughs> you know this is the big payday right. for us." You know, and it's like I, it would. Not, it's not a problem, but you know, it would be so tempting to go out and work it and milk it and work it and milk it. I don't think Wolfie would do, and I would, like I said, I wouldn't even recommend he do it. There's so many great guitar players right. out there, you know. Right. If you were to go on tour again, would you do buses or private jets? Oh, I'm, I got my own jet. I, I've been flying private. For <laughs> 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 I, I, can't sit, I can't sit in one of these buses, man. I get seasick in these. Yeah, yeah. I'm with but, you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the greatest. He's like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> How 
dude. Now, like, uh, and, and uh, apologies again, but back to Van Halen. You got, <laughs> no apologies. You got, you got David Lee Roth. He's in Van Halen from 78 to 85. Then you come in, in from 85 to 96. Yeah. Then you leave. How long before David Lee Roth comes back? It was a long time. They're so dysfunctional. It's like um, Van Halen, Dave was a leader. When I joined the band, I became the leader. It was just gifted to me, you know. And it was uh -huh. like, well, I'd say, well, what time you guys want to rehearse tomorrow, you know, or whatever. And it'd be like, well, I don't know. What time you want to rehearse? I'd say, two o'clock. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm -hmm. then pretty soon it's like, don't bother asking. Hey, guys, see you tomorrow, too, you know. Right. It's, it just became kind of like that. And so when, when I left the band, they just didn't have a, a leader. And, and Eddie and Alex kind of, they lead in their own way, but Eddie just leads musically. He just goes in the studio, you walk in, he's in there playing, he goes, what do you think of this? And, and right. it just go, it happens, and Alex is right there with him, you know? So um, it's kind of like, they, That's why they, was... they couldn't they couldn't made a function. Our manager died. He was our fearless and my manager was the guy that came in, our fearless leader, and I was the the band guy. And without that, they just couldn't put anything together. Look how long it took them to get an album out with Gary Sharon. Then that didn't work, so they threw that out the window and tried to get Dave back again. They tried to get Dave back five times, I think. It it's like dysfunctional. It's like no one can agree on shit. I want it black. Okay, fuck it. Paint it black did. Well no, I think I want it white now. Okay, paint it white. No, no, wait a minute here. You know, like, fuck, it's like being in the right. Middle East trying to haggle over a piece of fruit or something. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if you've ever been I, like I, that, I, but they, they yeah. want to haggle. It's like, well, how much is that? $100. Okay. No, no. No, we'll give you a better deal than that. Oh, really? Well, how much? Mm -hmm. $90. Okay, 90 well, Yeah, remember in Morocco, it was just yeah, everything yeah, we yeah. wanted. It was like, how much you pay? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. They, they want to haggle. They, they just, you know, don't. There's no such thing as just saying, here's the way it goes. Let's just do it. I hate that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a waste of time. It's like being stuck in a fucking mud, man. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a, I like to move fast. <laughs> what, what, was, what was the album you did with Mickey Hart? Was that? Oh, Marching to Mars. That was my first solo album. How, how was that with Mickey Hart? Did you know him from Monterey or, or back in the day or you just met him? I, the dead, because we're a Bay, Area, a Bay Area guy. Yeah. And Bob Weir's lived down the street from me for 100 years. Oh, and, wow. And uh, uh, when I, my, my home up there still. still Bob still is there. And um, Jerry bought the house next to me. Now, you know, whenever somebody mentions the Grateful Dead, I get excited. I, mean, I just was always such a fan of Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And you know what else I'm a fan of is getting excited. And when it's time to get excited, sometimes I like to have Bluetooth tablets. Why? Because they've got the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis. But they only cost a fraction of the price and they are delicious. When I want to get down with Lux, it's time for Blue Chew. And it's time for you to get an entire month's supply completely for free. All you got to pay is five bucks for shipping. Now, how do you get this deal? You go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo. That's bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo. It's the deal of the century. So jump on it and let's get back to it. And so we were all kind of friends. And Mickey and I, you know, Mickey and I hooked up in the weirdest fucking way. My wife was pregnant. I bought a house in Maui. I just got 
as Van Halen was going through the worst time right before I got thrown out. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm buying a house in Maui. I'm taking my some time off. Motherfuckers going to studio, do whatever you want. But I'm going to have my wife's baby over here in Maui. We're going to have a, a, a long, I'm going to deliver the fucking baby, right? This wow. Was, I was really into that. And you, so you were going to deliver? I was going to deliver it. But with you know, some help, they have a Lama system where you do yeah. water and it's, you know, all natural yeah. childbirth. So we were all into that for our first baby. Kama, her birthday was yesterday, by the way. So we're talking about Kama now. She's your fan, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so Kama uh, was like, uh, happened to be breached, but it, the, we didn't know it at the time. So we're flying over there. We're on an airplane. We got a dog that we tranquilized and stuck him in a fucking bag, a little dog <laughs> called Winchell. And we're sneaking him in there. And Bill Cosby is on that flight. And and Mickey Hart's on that flight. Did Bill give your dog the pill? <laughs> fucking Bill, the dog got out, got out of the thing right when we were landing. It fucking woke up, zip, 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 you know, fucking scratching a little, little dog. And uh, the fucking Bill Cosby goes, oh, look at the cute little doggy. I go, oh, fuck, I look at my dogs walking down the aisle of the airplane, right? So they said, oh, you can't get off the plane. You're going to, you know. Quarantine yeah, dog. the dog? Well, yeah, the dog's got to go, blah, blah. We're going, what the fuck are we going to do? My wife's praying. She's crying. Mickey Hart's on the plane. His wife is a lawyer. And she goes, hold on here. Let me work on this for you. <laughs> and so Mickey was going on vacation. We were moving in their house, and we spent the whole month over there together. And we started writing songs and doing all kinds of stuff way back then. And he became such a dear friend. But it was what we did is we put the dog back in a, in a container. Someone had got off the plane, went and bought a container. There was a fan on the plane, a lady that said, I'll go do this. And she went and got a container. We had to sit on the plane for like three fucking hours, put the dog on the container, shipped the dog back. <laughs> Kari's friend picked the dog up. So we, we moved to Maui without the dog. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii doesn't but, fuck around about bringing dogs yeah, there. Oh, I know. Yeah, COVID too. Yeah. yeah. But this was back in, this was like 27 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did you have a favorite decade to tour in? I would have to imagine it's the 80s. Oh, yeah, 70s and 80s. <laughs> 70s and 80s. Montrose, we didn't make the money, but that was the year, the era of, I mean, just think about the 70s. That's when glitter rock, I mean, you'd fucking dress like fucking women, big old fucking high heel <laughs> shoes and nylon stockings and shit, you know, on stage, makeup, fucking girls going crazy. Like, we walk out the back door, there's like 20 groupies. It's like, hey, come on, here's... A, you know, go to the Holiday Inn. Here we are. They'd be waiting there for you. It was anything goes, man. And it was just sex, drugs, and rock and roll to the bone. And it was an exciting time for rock and roll because, for me, I mean, I'm starting to make it. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's very lot artistic freedom during that time. And '80s too, but '70s were really cool. <laughs> some people, some people would argue that Montrose made the first heavy metal album. Not the first, but we were early. Yeah, we influenced Van Halen and Crew and, you know, and all those bands that came after the L.A. heavy rock scene that happened. That was pretty much Montrose was the king of that. You know, we invented it. Who would you give credit to for the first metal album? It's got to be Sabbath, huh? Deep Purple? Probably. Purple, I don't know. You know, metal wasn't metal back then. Like, now it just just was hard rock. You know, metal is crazy now, you know, like, but... um, I don't know. I was really, I was really into, uh, I was really into the Who. I was really into uh, Zeppelin, of course. You just so put out. I, an I, I album. don't know who did the first one. I, I don't, she said I wasn't as much into Sabbath. I was into Sabbath, but not as much as I was in, into Led Zeppelin and right. and uh, the Who and Band Called Free. 
Sure, yeah, free. Free was I love free. I did too. See, that <laughs> I was, was going to ask you if you love free. That was Montrose shit. See, because I, I heard you talking about how you um, just were, were pretty dead against like the the whole FM thing, and that the problem with Capital was that they just wanted you to write hits so that they wouldn't have to do any work to promote the band. The radio would do the job for you, and you were like, "No, I want to be more." <laughs> edgy i want to be kind of more hard rock i want to be like a tough guy like rock and roll i don't want to be a pop star i don't want to I be on the not. radio no no i was i was embarrassed about you know? that shit they would hand, hand me songs to you know they'd say why don't you record this song and i go i would have fucking record that song and you know i, I was right. i was a, a punk you know kind of punkish a little bit you know had an attitude anyway and uh and you know that that doesn't work with corporate guys. I know that now. Right. I could have been a. I could have had a hit earlier if I did. You know, kiss a little ass. Right. And and that was that, <laughs> that was what you said too. Is that uh, you know you wanted to be edgy and tough and and you know a, a real like badass rock star, not a pop star. But but you don't mind if uh, you know if a, if a tune like breaks through onto the radio. And that's how you described the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's free was <clears throat> my favorite band because of all right now it was such a that, that was the, that was tune. their one that just snuck and, through and they, exactly every now and then somebody would have one that snuck through and i said i want one of those yeah that's what i wanted i did not want you know the typical carpenter's hit you know yeah oh, that, man, that, I, that I had to taj, taj mahal once said uh he said don't ever record a song you don't want to sing for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> right? wow. And I thought that's fucking brilliant. Like, you never you know, know if it's gonna blow yeah, up yeah, or not. Right. You, you just get like, a hit and you're saying, "Oh, Margaritaville." Fuck, yeah. Well, I'm, Jimmy don't care. I'm shot that. I'm sure that's a fun <laughs> song to sing. I sing that song once in a while myself. <laughs> there you go. There's a career song. It snuck through. You know, every now and then I wanted. That's, and you know, when you try to write that way, it's you know your chances you're rolling the dice are not as good as you know, as. Uh, Man, how about the bassist? from free andy frazier that fucking mr big that tune the way he played and he wrote those songs you know paul told me that paul actually was trying to be him when he sang and, and andy frazier had a solo record and it was bass and drums and and a, and a electric piano and sometimes right and he sang and it was soulful blues shit it was badass uh he sang more like paul rogers he, he was cool really cool singer he sounded like he was in love. Like, you know, I used to always say, if this motherfucker could sing about anything, it sounds like he really means it. You know what I mean? I like that. You know, yeah. Some people just have that thing. Like Michael McDonald, how he opens his mouth and yeah. it sounds like he's <clears throat> soulful passion, like pouring his heart out to you, man. Yeah. Shit, I have to scream my ass off and hold my nuts and all that to get to sound convincing. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Bad Company came along after Free, yeah. and they were like more mainstream. Yeah, Bad Company was really a big influence on me too. Montrose, we we, uh, we, we were on the same bill with Bad Company's debut in in, in uh, London at uh, at the stadium, uh, not Wembley Stadium. There's another stadium. I forget what it was. Ninety thousand people. The Who, Humble Pie, Lou Reed. Montrose, Bad Company, Maggie Bell. Wow, you guys were... They made their debut, so they had... You guys were above Bad Company. Yeah, but Peter Grant, their manager, Led Zeppelin's manager, held them in traffic, and they made us go on. As soon as we went on, them motherfuckers came walking through the back door. (laughs) 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 It's true, it's a true story. I'm going, fuck, how did we get fucked on this? You know, know, my my heroes, I wanted to, you know... Wow. 90,000 people. 
Yeah, it was a big Charlton Festival, Charlton, uh, big uh, soccer stadium. Was that the biggest you've ever done? God, no. Yeah, right up there. No, it's about you know, 90, 180. I mean, you can't get much bigger than that. I've never been to South America. I keep getting right. offers to go to South America, but it's like I want to go, but it's never the right time. It's like I'm always like, oh, fuck, we do, you know, I'm just not going to tour that month. We just got offered again for like... I forget when it was. I had to turn it down again. But, you know, they play for 300,000. I don't see any reason to play for 300,000 fucking people. I'm going to tell you something right now. You walk out on stage, your fucking legs go weak. You know, you just go, <sighs> the energy just sucks it out of you. 100,000 people sucks the energy. What out did of you. Tommy tell you last night? Was uh, their capacity in South America just recent? Well, we didn't talk about it, but I know they just got back. Yeah, man. That Why, was what was big. it? I mean, like... Two and 300,000, probably. Yeah. Right? They have huge soccer stadiums because the sport's so big. And the fucking rock fans... I mean, I see <laughs> pictures of it. I talk to Metallica and all these my buddies that go down there and play all the time. And, and I'm going, man, I don't even fucking want to walk out to that many people. I did feel like a, the fucking piss ant theory. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, what what's the difference? Is there a stark difference between going out and performing with 60,000 and 90,000? Or is it all the same after a certain it's level? It's all the same after about 20. It really is. twenty. You start getting up in the 50s and 60s. I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's fucking, it's, you know, it fucks you up, man. You come <laughs> off that stage as a shot. Man, you know, it's like at my age, I'm, I'm worried I'll walk out and fucking drop dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like you'd be, like, desensitized after that, like, being that high yeah. and, like, experiencing that level of f energy that... Yeah, night going, after night, too. Yeah, going and eating a pizza at the cafe just really doesn't do it, you know, or... Yeah, you know, Van Halen, when we did the Monsters of Rock tour, we only did one stadium tour in my reign. We'd do four nights in every city in the planet, you know, four arenas, you know, 18,000, 19,000 people each night. But uh, that was our, our go-to. Our we had a really good manager before he died. I left there, and he was really smart financially. He'd say, you're going to play for 56,000 people, and you're not going to make as much money as you're going to make for those 20,000 people in that arena because the production you got to have bigger it takes three days to set up you're going to lose two or three days where you can't play because your production is being set up and, 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 and so when we did it we had 56 trucks on the road we had three stages three arena three sets of lights three sets of sound on the monsters of rock tour we we didn't make as much money and you know and, and with right. metallica was the opening act back then you know it's really great wow uh, that you know became good for, i got him on the on the bill but we became really good friends but on that tour but point is i got hurt on the first show i fell down broke my tailbone Oof. so every night i couldn't stand up i couldn't wipe my ass man so i had to have doctors every day giving me shots of cortisone right into my tailbone and my spine i couldn't then i going back and forth to my doctor to an la uh, and where i lived in malibu and eddie and i lived we're neighbors here I had a great doctor, and he was he was helping me get through it. But I was getting on flights after shows, flying home privately, getting back, you know, landing, jumping on, running on stage. My I got ear infection. I got a sinus infection. I didn't sing good once except the first night in the whole motherfucking tour. I was beat and dead, so I never really got to experience the the energy of the stadium properly. And you know, whenever I did a a festival, by you know, with my own bands and stuff like that. Uh, I just don't like those 100,000, 80,000 festivals. It's, I just don't feel like I'm connected. I, I'd rather play the Cabo Wabo, you know, at my own place. And, and it's like, it, it's so special to walk out and feel like you really are in a, in a connecting in an event. Um, I think Van Halen today, you know, would, would be awesome on these big stadium shows and all that. If we were still around today, we're more mature. I wouldn't go out and try to work so fucking hard. I used to go out and try to, you know, st stage and be like... 
170 feet across, man. I'd fucking sprint to the other yeah. side. Be like, ah! You know? <laughs> so, because I was a nut. You know, I, I had no control on stage. I get out there. I'm a nervous performer. So when the bell rings for me, I just go nuts, you know. Not anymore. But, I mean, it's the way, that was my style. I, I was so nervous I could stand in one place. I'd you get do, so nervous you black out ever? No. But I never passed out on stage anyway. How did you I break your out. tailbone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. How did you break your tailbone? You fell like off the stage? Well, you we fell, had or... a brand new production uh -huh. because we had three productions, and so everything got delayed. And so we were playing. The first night was three nights in a place called uh, the place where Stevie Ray Vaughan died on a helicopter. Um, Alpine Valley. Alpine Valley. We did three nights there to open anything. The first night, <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> we, we had steel stairs that went up to this riser, you know, remember the old days where you had a big riser behind a drum riser and everybody go up there and sing a couple songs. Um, and I didn't I didn't know the stage, we didn't get to rehearse on it. And I was walking backwards in the fucking first song, Summer Nights. Opened the song with Summer Nights on my radio and I was fucking hit the chorus and stepped back and went right on a steel corner, Ooh. hit my tailbone. And the most fucked up thing, maybe you guys would think this is funny, You you you, you probably used to getting hurt i'm not used to getting hurt <laughs> <laughs> so i fucking going oh shit I, it, I was numb it went everything went numb in my body in my mid body and i was going what the fuck what the fuck you know and i reached back and it was like a grapefruit big ass grapefruit on my ass and my tailbone and i pulled my hand out and it was full of blood and i almost fainted because i went over to my crew guy and i, I and i go what the fuck's going on, man? And he looks at you, oh, man, whoa. Like, and I go, oh, fuck. And I couldn't see it. I had to go back out and finish the show. And, and it, it, that whole tour was fucked up because of that. Yeah, so that was our only stadium tour. In those days, there weren't a lot of stadium tours. You know? I yeah. bet. I bet. Um, the, uh, the, the dynamics of making more money from four arena shows than one stadium show. Oh, twice as much money with four. Twice arenas, as yeah. much money. So... That's because even though you got to do the show four times, you're only setting up the show once. Yeah, that that's right? part of it. But, it, I mean, I'm talking about making twice as much. So let's say if it was two two arenas uh, to uh, one stadium, about the same amount of people, that one stadium show, the, the cost of the stadium, the whole setup of the size of the stage, you got to build it from scratch. There's no, you know, arenas have, they're more user-friendly. You know, you, right, right, right. your stuff is mostly customized for that. If that's what you're doing, and you go out and you do a stadium tour, you got to start over, man. You got to build a whole brand new production. You know, that stuff costs half a million bucks easily. So you can spend, if you're going to do one stadium show, it's going to cost you two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. You know, and you do an arena show, it's going to cost you a hundred grand. So you know, right. you do the math, and also you can't sell those tickets way in the back of that stadium for the same price as a thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's part of it too. Right. But it was real expensive to do stadium. We just our ego, we just wanted to do it. So no, we don't care. We're rich. You know, we'll make plenty of money. Don't get me wrong. Like we we weren't losing money, but it was like more profitable to do arenas, and now it's more profitable to do amphitheaters than any, than anything. Amphitheaters. Wow. Yeah. What is that like? Four to six thousand. No, they For five well, the to seating 15, is. Yeah, they're, they're anywhere from fifteen to some are some are twenty. Like know? the Irvine Amphitheater. Yeah, Irvine's a small one. It's like about eight. I just played that place uh, last year. You did the Sam and Dave show at the Universal Amphitheater. That was small. See, the reason we did that because Dave, because it was my turn to think, Dave insisted upon doing two two nights, so they put us in a smaller place. Normally, we would have played a, a bigger right. thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, Dave was he, he was a piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> never, never easy. Really, really something, huh? 
Um, <laughs> when uh, <laughs> if he was sitting here right now, we'd be going. The dude would be tripping. He'd be like, "Oh, is that right, Sam?" You know, that's what he. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, he can call me Sam. I don't mind being called Sam. It's just his attitude. He right. won't look at you and shit. He'll talk to other people about you. Yeah. It's, uh, that's crazy. He's a trip, man. I, <laughs> I actually like the guy. He entertains the fuck out of me. Okay. Okay. I mean, but, I think he is an entertaining guy. I, I, I think I, I. Have you had him on your show? No. Oh, well, Steve. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be open to it, and um, I think I would tell him that uh, while uh, his flamboyance, his his uh, on stage antics and acrobatics and everything is just so fantastic. That between David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar, I gotta believe Sammy Hagar is a happier person. He'd get up and walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, save that for the end. <laughs> he's, not, he's not coming on now. Yeah, I, mean, there I, you go. I, 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 I believe you know, and and like you know, I don't even think that's a dig. You know, I think. Uh, oh no, he's not. He's not uh, user friendly. That's whether he's happy or not. I have no idea. He, he doesn't. You say that. Um, that you had 10 good years with Van Halen and one bad year. Yeah, well, two bad years now because the reunion was bad. <laughs> so I had nine good years one and two bad years because it right. was 11. It was 10 years altogether, then the one-year reunion, which was just hell. But um, I'm glad we did it, but at the same time, it was just... That was the man. 80 dates. The 80. 80, 80, 80 dates. I tried to quit after 40. I said, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I yeah, can't. but you were going to get sued if you did that. Yeah. So we we had we split airplane. We were on one big plane, and we we, we ended up on two smaller planes. Um, oh wow! The, and, and what year was that? Was that two thousand four? Two thousand four. So so two thousand four. And, and what made what made it such a disaster? Was it that the substance abuse had progressed? <clears throat> yeah, substance abuse had progressed to a really bad level. And once again, I really hate to say anything bad about. Mr. Eddie Van Halen, the greatest of the fucking greatest, uh, after he's gone, and but it was during that time was not a good time for him, and he, it's the worst he played in his whole life that I ever know of, you know, and uh, it was not good for him. I don't think that that's a disparaging comment because it, I mean it was 2007 when he acknowledged himself that he had to get in there and do something about it. Yeah. And it, it was it was about time because he was going to die. I, I, mean, I heard some stories. I, yeah, like yourself. I'm I'm, I'm, right. I'm glad you're still standing. I'm gonna give you a lot of love for that. I'm serious. Yeah. If you don't want to live, fuck it. But if you want to live, you, you right. got to do the right thing if you want to live. Mm -hmm. Right. Mikey and I shared a dressing room, and we would wait. We'd sit in our dressing room, and when it was time to go, and we our tour manager would be there with us, our, our security guys, they would just be sitting there like this. Okay, it's time to go on. It's like you would wait until you heard Eddie's guitar go. That's the first thing he did backstage. He'd plug in backstage. <clears throat> he would see if it was going to squeal, make the you know the big, mm -hmm. big badass Ed tone. And until we heard that, we didn't bother going out near the back of the stage because every night it'd be like that serious. Like, hey, I don't, we don't know if the guy's going to make it. I mean, it was like Man. crazy. That's wow. horrible. It it get, it breaks my heart. It really, yeah. And it broke my heart then too. But I got pissed pretty soon. I started saying, "Fuck this shit," you know. I'm here to, you know, do a job, and it's making it difficult. So, so, yeah, that was bad. We we really hit a, a bump in the road as friends on that tour. Do you have any fun uh, Bob Weir, Jerry Garcia party stories? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> not Jerry. Jerry, I, Jerry was a cool guy, but I never was around him that much. He died when they moved into the house next door to me. That's when he ninety four. Yeah, he died in ninety five. He, he checked himself in. Yeah, Van Halen had the balance record out, and I remember we did. Uh, we were in New York when I heard it, and I was I went on tour. We were on David Letterman's show. And I heard that Jerry Garcia had passed. Oh, wow. wow. And uh, They found him with a smile on his face, dead in the bed in his rehab. Yeah, he went to rehab trying yeah. to get cleaned up, and he was he was so bad he, he didn't he, make it. But he used, or he just had a heart attack in I, I'm not I'm not sure, but... He uh, was but, using, at that time, heavy. I think it was, I think it was heroin. I probably shouldn't yeah. say that, because I don't know for I, I think heroin. it's I think it's commonly known yeah. that it was heroin. Yeah. yeah, and he just, he didn't make it through the rehab. He was trying to clean up. And he just moved into the house next door to me. Him and his wife, Deborah, she still lives there. Oh, wow. And uh, I thought, oh, this is the greatest, man. I got, you know, because Jerry and I, we only played together once at Sweetwater in downtown. But Bob and I, we Bob and I used to run together all the time. You know, he's so uh, conscientious. With the he's, yoga and everything. He's the greatest guy in the world, man. He's He's been a runner. We used to run him down up the mountain, and I'd bring him over to my house, a little studio there, and we'd listen to my new songs, and he'd be going, oh, you know, Bob, Bob's a real funny guy. He's... He's, he's the most, he's the sweetest human being on the planet. I can't say it. He don't have an evil bone in his body. He's not capable of being evil. He's just such a nice guy. He's there for you. Bob, I'm doing a charity event. Can you help a brother out? Well, let me check. Yeah, I can be there. <laughs> don't, you don't have to call him again except right before it because he forgets shit. But other than that, <laughs> other than that he will fucking be there. And he's just hes just really a good guy. Yeah, I, I wrote him. a letter, arguably the most uh, impassioned letter to Bob Weir, uh, you know, proposing the idea of him coming on this Wild He'll Ride podcast. He'll do it. Podcast. He would be fucking great. Has he done it? Uh, I, I think that we got a response. Uh, I forget if was it like was from his daughter or, or publicist, but not now, maybe later. Well, he's always working. You're going to have to go to him. Right. But that's what, the, what, that's what you're what doing do. is awesome. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. We, we, yeah, that would be yeah. epic. We, we bring it to... to I'll make this happen. This. I would definitely have Oh, man, him. I love that. When I walk in the room, I'll fucking send him a text, say, Bob, you got to do this show. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I followed the Grateful Dead. It, it was... Now, the Jackass director makes fun of me for being such a deadhead. When my really? first, My first Dead show was 1990. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it was like 1994. I went to every single show on the uh, East Coast Summer Tour. Um, so yeah, uh, the last show was in Soldier Field in '95. With, I was there in '94. So that was back then. Uh, they were still dead. Um, they were the dead. They were the Grateful Dead. Oh, the Grateful. That was oh, before Jerry, Jerry died. Oh, oh, it was before Jerry, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry died in '95. That was the shit. That band, man. They were they were like a wave of. They're, I've, you know, I used to go to their shows too, and, and it, it was just a, it was like an amoeba thing. It just mm -hmm. kind of swell up, and then it would get all high, and then it would just kind of fall apart, and nobody would care, and everybody got to go about their business. The music keep going, it would swell up again. It was so fucking unique what those guys did. Did, did you see that series on Amazon? The I think one so. along a strange trip. No, oh, the train trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, it was the greatest series, man. And uh, I love that you know him, and and. Um, Bob, I consider a dear friend. I'll go there for Mickey's a dear friend too, but Mickey and I don't stay in touch like Bob and I. Bob comes to Cabo. Bob comes to my shows every time. I did a residency last year and the year before. I did 14 sh uh, uh, shows in Vegas, and uh, he came to three of them. Wow. And, and he drove his bus. He was in Denver, did a show, and I said, hey, Bob, you should come down. This room's really cool. And he goes, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I'll be there. I said, okay, what, you know, eh, eh, eh. all of a sudden he shows up, parks his bus in the parking lot, right? And, 
and I'm going, what are you going to stay in your bed? He said, yeah, yeah, I got a gig tomorrow night. <laughs> he, just, he drove in on a day off, Legend. comes on stage, you know, plays. He's doing it in the bus. He's not flying around, huh? No. He, he, the, the, some guys I, like the bus thing. I, I don't. I, I t I'll tell I'm in a hurry. I get motion sickness. Me too, I do. If I, I sleep you, on a bus, I wake up. Oh. We, we will drive this son of a bitch to the Bay Area for Bob Weir on a dime. Well, his daughter goes <laughs> to school down here, so uh, he, he'll, you know, he comes down yeah. once in a while. I'll, I'll, I'll make this happen. I'm telling you, Steve, we'll make it. But yeah, it'd be a nice drive anyway, going up there. Yeah, uh, man, going up the coast, yeah. Big Sur, all well, that. Yeah, coasting this thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather be wheel man than be back here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I, I, I parked up uh, here know, to here. I had to close my eyes all the time because I was just getting nauseous. Man, I, I, I hate to try to use you for for bookings, but man, we got to get Guy Fieri too. You'd, oh no, no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, same thing. Guy, Guy's busier than anybody. Yeah. That motherfucker is crazy. Yeah, he's, he's in Vegas, right? Oh, he's got fucking three or four TV shows. Oh. He's got seventy-seven <laughs> restaurants. And he goes and opens them and works them. And he's got, you know, he's my partner with Santo Tequila. Mm. So he's got a brand. He's got a tequila brand. And he goes around and does in-stores, which I won't do. Mm -hmm. My fans are too fucking crazy. You know, it's like, if, if you say I'm going to be in an in-store, they'll be like, they say, well, you don't have to sign 100 bottles. Oh, yeah, you're right. A thousand people show up. And if I sign 100 bottles, I try to get out of there. I get called every fucking name. I mean, they, they, they call me Roth and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, <laughs> My fans do not go for it. You got to stay right there all fucking sure. day until the last one. Yeah. And everyone's got a story, so it ain't like just sign and go. Right. My fans are too intense, but he does it. He goes and he does, you know, Bevmo. He does, you know, a Safeway in store, a Costco in store. It's wild. And and he sits there and signs autographs, takes pictures. That motherfucker's the hardest working guy I've ever met in my life. And when he takes a vacation, he goes out into the wilderness and camps and hunts and does crazy shit. Wow. Right. He, he like he he's like. Getting up at four o'clock in the morning and doing East Coast TV. That makes me think we got to get Bear's Grills too. Bear no. Grills? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get Guy to do it, but just get nailing him down yeah, is going to yeah. be harder than Bob. Bob's yeah. Bob's slippery, but but Guy's busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Man, dude, you're, you're the greatest, Sammy. I, yeah, I, I'm just one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, man, I've enjoyed talking to you, man. Um, what can we uh, encourage people to pay attention to for you? Wow. That's a beautiful thought. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't like hyping my stuff. I wear my, my own shirts, but see, I own my brands. You know, I don't endorse. If I endorse something, I wouldn't wear it. You know, so. All right. Uh, but what about the Netflix thing? You said you had an episode. I don't know when it's June. coming on. Is all I can say is wait. If you go, if you're traveling and you go through an airport and they have a Sammy's Beach Bar and Grill or a Cabo Wobble, because oh, I'm about sweet. to build one in Carolina. Or um, if you have, if if you see something that I, uh, you know, endorse or own in a re in a restaurant, support it because I take the money and we help right. other people. You mean uh, something that you endorse or own in an airport? Yes, in an airport in because an airport, that's where I give all the money away to that community. To that's that, great. That yeah. yeah. So if you're going to Maui, hey, and the food's good too. You know. Yeah. I and bet. the drinks are good. You know. But I anyway. bet. we'll send you a photo of us eating there if we ever show up. You got it. And uh, sure. we didn't even mention that the, this, what you're wearing, is the, uh, what's it called, uh, ready rum? to drink, RTD. Yeah, R yeah. Ready yeah. to drink, mixed sparkling up. Rum, sparkling rum cocktails, and they're fucking good. Everything I make, I do it 
says I want to be better than the competition. Like when I told you when I was a rock star, you know, yeah. I'm, I don't consider myself a rock. I can consider myself a, a former rock star, but I can still sing and play, and I like to do it. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to be the biggest and the baddest. I was sing faster, you know, play faster and jump higher and, you know, I don't know, talk faster. <laughs> uh, that's the way I feel about when I make a product. I, I want to, the only reason why I do it is to try. I say, I can do better than that. You know, it's like people say, why don't you make, you know, fine wine, because I'm a fine wine guy. I drink Romani Contes and Cheval Blancs and Vega Cecilias, uh, and that's the kind of wine I drink. So why don't you make wine? So I fucking can't make wine better than that, you know, but I can make RTDs better than that bullshit these fools <laughs> are drinking. So I started, I, I did it, and that, so that's all I can tell you. My product stand behind 100%. I own it. I don't take other people's money. I take on partners if they're the right person. Like Guy Fieri wanted to be part of this tequila, so I brought him on, but it ain't like I'm a, I'm not a businessman. I'm sorry, I'm not. I got good business sense. I've made more mistakes, though, than most people would imagine. I just had a couple winners. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but no, that's all I want to say. That's that, I want to get that off my chest, that if you see something with my name on it, I stand behind it 100%. It's better than the competition. And if it's in an airport, feel good about it because yeah. it's going to help people. Yeah. All right. Wow. Dude, thank Steve, you so well, you much. Steve, you take care of yourself. You stay alive. I like you. you hey, know, I like you too, I'll tell man. you a real quick story. Uh, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea's, uh, that, that show, remember the TV show? Uh, Chelsea. The, Chelsea, Chelsea Lately. Yeah, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, Chelsea Lately. She had her end of show party when she canceled her thing, and I and I was invited So with some other people. So I went, and uh, they had all, and I brought my booze and nervous when I first had my beach bar rum, and... Uh, your buddy Johnny Knoxville was there, and 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 he kept and I kept calling him Steve-O all night. And we had a fucking buzz going. Everybody, you know, I would have my buzz on him, and uh, and I kept calling him Steve-O. And my daughter Kama was with me. It's a long time ago, but uh, she was. She was still hip to you guys. Well, I was hip to you guys too. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, she was like a fan. She's going. She kept saying, "Dad, that's not Steve-O. <laughs> I mean, like, what? That's fucking Steve-O, man. Yeah. And he didn't say shit. We took pictures, and I'd stand next He's to him. He's a great guy. Yeah. Anyway, I had to tell you. That. <laughs> I love it. We should have started with that. <laughs> Cold open. Dad, thank you so much, Come on. man. I gotta yeah, get. I gotta so get much. my wife's uh, camera. I gotta take a yeah, picture. For yeah, sure. I want to take it with the front. Of this fucked up band too. Come on now, let's. I gotta yeah. post that you know, shit up. The, the last person we had in here was Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> uh, how about that? Was that something or what, man? Sammy Hagar, and God, that feels like such a long time ago. Like time goes really slow in Australia, man. This uh, this tour is epic, but it's challenging, man. I might be a little bit worn out. I might be a little bit burned out. <laughs> Dude, thank you for sticking around to the end. <laughs>